boys and tune your dial to Two Girls, One Podcast, the show that really puts the oral in the oral history of the internet. And now here are the hosts who have more tabs open than the number of websites that exist. Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jagula. everyone. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. Um, Allie and I are performers. You might know that we had a show called Blog Logs. It was a live comedy show where we used the internet as our script. We had a web series after that, Two Girls, One Show. You can find it on Hoo Ha And on there, we interviewed people behind the post and went on some fun adventures. And now we have Two Girls, One Podcast with The Daily Dot. We're interviewing here people behind internet communities and phenomena that we find really interesting and we also have our producer, Matt, with us. Hello, Matt. Apostrophe, sup. That's short for what's up. Oh, yeah. thank you so much for no, that I liked explanation. It, and I liked actually your proper usage in the sense that most people don't even include the apostrophe anymore. Heathens. Yeah. Right. Right. So. Well, today, just to let you know, uh, before we get into our witty banter about things, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're covering something awful. and. By that, I don't just mean, you know, Donald Trump or like whatever. We could talk about anything that's awful, but we're actually talking about the website, Something Awful. Um, It has a huge place in internet history. In fact, in 2018, Gizmodo placed it as 89th on their list of 100 websites that shaped the internet as we know it. (laughs) So if you're not familiar, uh, you definitely want to stick around to hear more. Mm -hmm. Ali, do you remember Something Awful from our blogologues days? Were you ever on there? I don't think so. I have not spent time there. I I don't think. Do you recall something that we did there? No, not off the top of my head, but sort of like clicking around the site, it it had a familiarity to me. So I was thinking maybe we had pulled something at some point. I mean, it's totally possible. Mm -hmm. Or maybe something from that culture made its way to other platforms that you eventually saw elsewhere, performed elsewhere. You know, that would be right. uh, It's so influential. That even yes. if you even if you didn't participate there, you might know of the culture elsewhere. I always felt like I was not cool enough as an internet person to go on the cool sites. And back you weren't. In the day. You weren't. No. No, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> where were you, Matt, on the internet in 2005? <laughs> 2005. Eh, I don't know. Where were uh, you know? Right pre YouTube. We were on Facebook, but we were like on Facebook. The college well, right. Facebook it would have been my MySpace, yeah. but then transitioning to Facebook. Yeah. Good question. You were very cool on the internet for a while there, Matthew. I mean, you're still cool on the internet. But when we met you, you were at Mashable when Mashable was like on the rise. Yeah, but I was not cool before then. You know what I mean? <laughs> really? I don't know that there was a before then, really. Death I well, mean, yeah. you know, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like cool back in the day. It was just like this weird thing. I don't know. Right. People didn't hang out the way they do now. Right. Right. I distinctly remember meeting my future colleagues and bosses at the at Mashable in 2009, 2009 and being so perplexed and be and re- literally asking like so you write articles on the internet and uh-huh. then do you do you make money like do you get a paycheck like what <laughs> happened and they were like I mean that's still a confusing thing that's yeah. but, but yeah right 
but I was so green and stupid about this that I didn't understand that like businesses and content was a thing that you could do on the internet. It was very alien. Yeah, it was some people figured did because they were do- they were doing it and yeah. they were figuring it out, you know, yeah. at that time. But yeah. then you're talking about pre, you know, you're talking four years, five years before that, early aughts. What what who was doing anything online? It was MySpace. I, I don't think there was anything mainstream beyond that. It was and it was web forums, of course. Like, yeah, like something awful. Yeah, right, right. In my memory, it was like middle school gen in the AIM chat room. AIM, yes. Yeah, yes. and then it was like emailing for a while in high school with people. That felt like new and interesting, like using email. Mm-hmm. And then the internet kind of went away. I just like used it for some research stuff maybe in college, but mostly we went to the library. <laughs> and then we right. got Facebook, yeah. <laughs> but you hit the gap. It, it right. was AOL and, uh, and online services that were like portals. They were not the web. They right. were closed. Right ecosystems. My family joined Prodigy, which was a precursor to AOL, or a competitor, actually, uh, on our DOS, MS-DOS computer. And I freaking loved Prodigy. It had web forums. It had uh, little rooms and games you could go into. It was... But again, it was not the World Wide Web. It was not an open system. You paid a fee mm-hmm. and on top of your phone bill to access it. And, right. and uh, yeah, that, that was the internet to me before aim and myspace we're a bunch of old biddies (laughs) (laughs) you know something that is gonna sound dark but i find kind of encouraging is that the internet has gone through so many phases which we don't really think of you know we think of facebook and all these monoliths as here to stay forever and ever but the internet already Mm -hmm. has gone through several phases and if you just look at the internet as you know the the new media form that it is we're in we're in a pretty dark place right now i think with all of this but i mm-hmm. don't think it's too insane to think that things really will change for the better which i know is usually mm-hmm. matt's territory the optimism but i do think like you know looking at something awful and so many things that we thought we're here to stay forever you know myspace you know it's like right. so i do think there's a world in which you know, new forms do take over. I mean, it, it definitely seems tough, though, because Facebook and Google and all those places are that's, such that's behemoths. What it is. I agree with you philosophically. I think the unprecedented factor here is the massive corporate power and consolidation and data of like the internet used to be very fractured and piecemeal, and now it's all consolidated into five tech companies. And then you look at other forms of media like television and movies and those were once experimental platforms where anything goes, and now they're owned by, you know, three studios that own everything. And that has not changed for the last 50 years. So Uh we are, we locked in a corporate, you know, what needs to change is like, you know, capitalism or something like there's, there are larger systemic problems. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what? On that sad note, let's hear the trivia. All right. Here's the trivia. The trivia today is there is no trivia. I have something else for you. All right. Hi, Jen and Allie. Uh, My name is Max. He, him pronouns. And I really enjoyed the latest episode of the podcast on blasphemy fetishes. I got kind of stoked when you talked about the idea of a religion and pop culture class. That was one of my favorite classes in grad school. And I actually wrote my 
master's thesis on Bible fanfic. Um, it turns out there used to be a live journal community called The Slashing of the Christ, uh, where people posted their gay Bible fanfiction. So I just wanted to share that with you because I think it's kind of fun, and I hope you will too. Um, <laughs> also, if Matt is interested in uh, engaging with some of the more trippy arguments about the existence of God, you should definitely check out Anselm's arguments about the existence of God. Um, they're not particularly convincing, but they are kind of like uh, fun logic puzzle brain teaser things to try and wrap your head around. Okay. Um, thanks. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs> that okay. was delightful. <laughs> I love him. Can we get him on here and do a whole episode about <laughs> Bible fanfics? He wrote us a master's on it. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm okay, ready. What's his right. name, Matt? Is that what he said? N- uh, Max. 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 I'm ready for you, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. I love it. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. I want him to send us a reading list beforehand so I can read all my fucking Jesus porn. Actually, Jen and I did <laughs> perform some Jesus fan fiction on stage. Yes, I've seen it. So we know great. about that. But yeah, in. Also, ooh, I love a good phone call instead of trivia. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Here, here. Three cheers. <laughs> Let's keep it up. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got more for you. Oh, yes. Hi, guys. I just listened to the Blasphemy porn episode, uh, and I got to the part where you guys are all talking about, like, what you guys believe in at the end. And I want to know what your thoughts are on the uh, simulation theory that basically everything around us is a sort of computer simulation. I know there's a few articles out there. Obviously, I can't send them via voicemail, but I'm sure you could find them. Yeah, love the show. Bye. Thank you. Um, I have heard this. Don't like. There's some like pretty big tech figureheads who, in the last few years, have said that this is sort of like what they believe. I don't believe it, but I but I do. I'm open to the possibility that it could be true. I guess <laughs> I don't believe uh, it, but I like yeah. to think about it. Yeah, totally, mm-hmm. totally. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. There's a school of thought here that I find fascinating, which is that if ever in the timeline of existence, the universe or the multiverse ever, ever, and an intelligence has reached a point where it could simulate a world or a universe, if that has ever happened in the eons and eons and eons of existence, and because time is so long, it has likely already happened, then statistically, we are living in the simulation because if it happened once, it has happened billions of times and we are simply one simulation out of an infinite number of simulations. And so I'm fascinated by it because we talked at the end of that episode of like how the idea of a human god or an intelligent god, I find that very silly and human-centric. However, if an intelligent force has created the simulation already, I find it very plausible that we are in one of them. You know what I mean? Sure. So like I agree yeah. with you that it's silly and and wacky and probably not true, but like when you kind of do the math it probably is true, which is weird, you know what I mean? It very That's well what I'm could saying. be it's true. It's fun to yeah. think about as a mental exercise. I don't think it's true, but I enjoy thinking about it. There you have it. And those are our thoughts. Wow, two calls boop, boop, in boop. one week? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yo, keep them coming. We love it. And that number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6548. Yes. 
877-867-8716-LIT. And the number's in the show notes. You don't have to memorize it. Just head on into your podcast app and the number is there. Dial us up anytime or text. But also memorize it so that you can just call us whenever you want, yeah. whenever you're walking, whenever That's you're true. thinking. Just program yeah, us just in. give me a call. Just Make us your emergency contact. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> 2G1P, ice. <laughs> ice. Like, I hope none of our listeners ever get into a life-threatening accident. But if you do and the paramedics call us, that would be rad. Yeah. No, that would we be won't, rad, but Matt. It would not be just... rad. We will not be helpful. <laughs> we don't pick up, guys. <laughs> it's a voicemail or a text. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's time for a break. Goodbye. <laughs> we would love to extend our heartfelt thanks to a group of individuals, listeners of the show, in fact, who are the opposite of something awful. They are something fantastic, great, generous, wonderful, and we love them. These are uh, people who have donated to our Patreon at the $10 level or more. Thank you so much to Chris Harrison, Jerry Duran, Jessica Fox, Melissa Elliott, James Dozier, Deborah Duberpants, Kathy Phillips, William, and last but not least, Matthew Scott. We so appreciate you and uh, our heartfelt thanks once again. And now a real advertisement entitled Xbox Series X, one terabyte. From the only website on the internet that still has game consoles in stock, Craigslist.org. Bought the new Xbox for my son as a Christmas gift. He has gotten my stepdaughter uh, pregnant. So I am now selling it in hopes he will grow into a man. I only want my money back. 400 or best offer. Please text or call. <laughs> All right, friends, it is time for our interview. We are speaking today with Something Awful's owner, also a longtime poster, moderator, and admin. He's so many things. <laughs> Please welcome Jeffrey of Yaspas. Welcome, Jeffrey. Hey, good to be here. Hi, everyone. Good to have you. Yes. <laughs> so in your own words, what is something awful and why is it so awful? You don't really need to tell us why it's awful. We want to talk about why it's so great. But what, what is it? Uh, something awful is uh, an internet comedy community, I guess, is what I'll, what I'll call it now. Um, it was a website started back in like 1999 with a basically comedy writing on the front page and a large forum attached uh, where a lot of people would join up. And what makes it notable is that it basically became hugely influential on internet culture for a, a long period of time. Um, it became known as a place where people contributed amazing content that they created personally, not just copy pasting from other places, that it was a place where people were free to be, you know, their own weird selves without being hateful. And so there's a lot of like very strange internet stories that emerge from there and, and, and things that, that grew and grew in popularity and are now seen all over the web. Um, and it's a, it's a really fun place to post. It's, it's a little slice of 2005, only the good parts, you know, 
I miss 2005. That's right. when I graduated yeah. from college. YouTube like wasn't even a thing yet. Right, <laughs> Such right. a simple world. What a simpler, yeah. yes. <laughs> okay, I, let's dive right into something that made something awful different from the beginning. So Something Awful decided to start to charge when many other sites didn't and still haven't. So do you know what was behind that decision and how do you think it influenced the trajectory of the site? Someone registered an account called Triangle Man um, and started posting a lot of pictures of triangles in random discussions. And the owner of the site kept banning him and he kept coming back under new Triangle Man accounts. And he got so frustrated that he made it cost $10 to make an account so that this guy couldn't keep posting triangles. It was literally uh, because of that one troll? <laughs> yes, it was that one guy. That started it all. That, that gave him the idea, and that's why they did it. Triangle Man legend. Uh, and I'm sorry, this is a weird coincidence, but and I apologize, it, it was me. And I, and I, I regret it to this day. Triangle Man! Me. Triangle Man, post weather, a triangle can. Um, that is such a good story. Man. Yeah. So wait, so then, so okay, I'm I'm sort of jumping ahead, leading question, but were there significantly less trolls because of that move? Yes, absolutely. Um, there was less a lot of things, but basically, every website is susceptible to like you're banned, you just rejoin. No consequences. You just keep on doing the same thing. That's you know, the every internet. Website, yeah, every website's vulnerable to that, but something awful is not, or at least less so. Basically, it meant that combining the $10 to enter with a like strict moderation and expectation that you were going to contribute something with your posts meant that people were like a little afraid to post even. They would like <laughs> hold themselves to a high standard before the post even reached the website. And it just like got rid of a whole like class of low content, boring spam type posts that aren't really welcome anywhere, but every internet site has tons of. So I think that's a really cool, distinct feature of something awful is that there's still this culture where if your post is bad enough, it costs $10. <laughs> so would you say that this is perhaps a roadmap for the other sites, which continue to do next to nothing? Yeah. Uh. I, I don't know. I, would people start paying for Twitter if if you charge ten dollars to go on Twitter? I mean, maybe some people would. The people who care, right. the people who care, would imagine how good your Facebook feed would be if you had to pay ten dollars. It would be great, right? If Uncle Jerry had to pay ten dollars for every dumb thing he posted, that would just be <laughs> wonderful. But just to clarify, it's a it's a one time ten dollar fee, right? One time ten dollar fee. If you get banned, you got to pay it again. Um, mm -hmm. There's a few other things that we charge for, like if you want to set an avatar to post with, that costs $5. Um, and you can also pay $10 to set someone else's avatar uh, if they annoy you. And they have to pay $5 <laughs> if they want to change it. So, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that's really Wait, great. Wait, you, your avatar can be changed without your consent. That's that's right. And, and you got to pay $5, $5 to change it back. <laughs> that's that's fine. right. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that endlessly to Jen. I know. I know you would. Um, <laughs> well, so for people not familiar with this site, Jeff, like what can you give us an idea of what happens on there? So it's it's primarily forums, right? And what what are some of the things we might see there? It's a big variety. Um the like front board is sort of general interest, you know, like comedy, you know, news articles, weird topics, you know, mixed bag of general discussion about things and Often the, the discussion topic is like a launch pad for people to make jokes about or, or photoshops about or whatever. 
there's a, a large video game section. There's, you know, with many like successful video game guilds and things like that. Um, there's a large politics section where people discuss politics, uh, both in a serious and jokey way, depending on which one. Pretty wide variety of content all over, you know. In general, the big thing you can expect is that the posts are more interesting than the average post on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. People put more effort in. They 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 take their time. Okay, you're you're uh, you biased know. though. So can you give <laughs> us an example? Like, how do you know that the posts are higher quality? Um, and it's a low fucking bar out there. So <laughs> what does that mean? It, it is it is a low bar, and ten dollars is a low amount of money. It's not you know we're not charging a hundred dollars to get in. People make original jokes that you could not have made without the context that's surrounding them. So like people can like take things that have happened on something awful and make people laugh about them later in different ways by like spinning new things that they couldn't have possibly have just copy pasted off of Reddit or 9gag or whatever. People make photoshops that are like topical and interesting and sometimes, you know, short videos and things like that that are like parodying something or mocking news coverage of something or or whatever. Basically, if you post something thoughtless, you can expect to get jumped on, right? Like there, there's instant feedback. Um, there's no obligation to be nice to each other on something awful. Uh, you're not allowed to be hateful, but if you're uh, not good at contributing well, then people are not going to be nice to you and they're going to tell you that. Um, so it's sort of like self-reinforcing. It's hard to give examples of like a particularly yeah. good single post in isolation. You know, it's all part mm. of a discussion. Yeah. I got you though. That makes mm. sense. Mm. I get it. I get it. It's a culture. Yeah. It sounds like there is a deep, I mean, this goes without saying, that there is a culture that people within the culture can reference. And then, and if you're not in the culture, you won't get the joke. I mean, that sounds like a strong community. Totally. I don't know if it's, I, I would say that if you weren't in the culture, you wouldn't get the joke because like, it's often in the context of a single discussion or a, a, mm. maybe a, a link discussion previously or whatever. It's not like all in jokes that are impenetrable to a newcomer. I, I think I think a new person could stumble upon it, follow along for a while, and then join in fairly easily. Um, mm -hmm. New people are encouraged to like lurk for a while to figure out what the standards are like, so they don't just get banned immediately because they post crap. The other part is that there's no like downvoting or upvoting like all these other sites have. So like everyone's posts get to be read, everyone gets to speak, and people will read it as they read through this like flat thread. And so there's no like algorithm that determines that you're like the funniest post because you made some pun that no one has to think about to click upvote on. Mm. Uh, so I, I really think that that helps. There's quite a bit of internet history entwined with something awful, not the least of which uh, we were reading about was the creation of Slenderman. I had no idea. So um, what do you think are some of the most historic moments in the site's history? Oh man, there's a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> the one of the first big ones was like "All Your Face or Belong to Us." I don't know if you know that one, but that's yeah, like oh, a, I know it. Right, that was like <laughs> 20 years ago at this point. Uh, but that originated. The music video originated on something awful, hmm. uh, which is, is is pretty impressive. Yeah, Slender Man was definitely something awful. Uh, sorry to the young girl who was stabbed. Uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's <laughs> one God. way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, oops. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know if something awful is even proud of that one. No one really talks about that one, but it was definitely invented the there. The Slenderman thing is yeah. fucking mm -hmm. bananas. I yeah, I, that's a whole we. That's a whole episode. Uh, that's a whole podcast. Yeah, yeah. the <laughs> way that that because it's not. 
I don't know. I kind of went down a bit of a wormhole last night prepping for this interview. And it's just like the number of different places that people took it seriously is wild. But it was sort of fascinating to me because there was also this like morbid but beautiful angle around the power of words that like people wrote these stories and then that they were so powerful that other people believe them. I mean, of course, there's like mental health issues there. But anywho, Um. what were we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> historic moments yeah. and something awful. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should just not talk about death and destruction with Slender Man. But yeah. <laughs> right. So what, what were some of the other kind of key moments? So all your baser belong to us. What else? A lot of the like meme images you'll see might have originated there. Maybe not so much the low effort ones, but the there's a video game where something awful goons are like the big bad guy. They're, they're like the evil empire and they control this whole section of space and they're like a very organized, you know, empire-like bad guy guild. Uh, and, and they're like known throughout everyone who plays this game and hated because they always win uh, and have more resources than anyone else, which is pretty funny. It's an EVE, on, EVE Online. Wait, and to clarify, because we've covered EVE Online here, are you talking about the Goon Swarm Federation originated on Something Awful? Yeah, uh, Goons are what uh, Something Awful users are, no- are like call themselves or are known as. Um, so yeah, that's a Something Awful guild. That's not to say everyone in it is from Something Awful. Yeah, um, that has evolved uh, quite a bit since those days, but I did not know it had its origins with SA. That's one. That's very fascinating. That's a great example. Right. The guy who runs it is still a poster, active poster, you know, post Interesting. Sometimes. Yep. I think weird Twitter, if, if that means something to you. Mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah. I only vaguely know of Twitter. I don't really use it, but... Weird Twitter is basically something awful style of humor exported into Twitter form. And obviously, tons and tons of people have taken that up since who have never been to something awful. But you still see a lot of roots of something awful culture there. There are like something awful in jokes on Twitter that like I see scroll scroll by and I'm like, who would get this? Who didn't post on something awful? But they're there. Back in 2005, 2006, you know, that era, there was lots of like little something awful references in video games everywhere that there's a lot of like video game developers who would post there in our gaming communities. Um, and they're still around a little less like direct engagement from, you know, companies as, as it's fallen into, you know, slightly less influence. This is great. And we have a sort of related question from one of our listeners. This is from our Discord, right, Allie? Mm-hmm. So this is from Bowie Barks. They ask, what do you think of something awful's role in shaping current web culture? Is there anything you're particularly proud of? Is there anything that you regret or would change if you could go back in time knowing what you know now? The idea that humor can be used to cope with tragedy or, or darkness mm. um, is like a, a powerful human thing that's been around for all of history. I can't claim something awful invented that, but probably led they probably led the charge on that on the internet. And so I think a lot of the like let's at least laugh at the weird bad things that are happening is better than just being morose about it. And I think you can see that on Twitter. You can see that on other places. And I think that was very much a, like something awful creation. Um, there's a lot of the like humor style of internet leftists in general, I think was foundational something awful humor from a particular like comedy leftism board that was around in like 2010, 2008. A lot of the like bad things to come out of something awful came because something awful banned something, and the people who were banned were angry and went and did their own thing. Like 4chan came from something awful, like banning gross anime porn, and those guys were like, "Well, that's fine. We're making our own website, and well, it's a really bad website." But uh, you know, I'm I'm proud that we expelled such people. I, I'm I'm fine with that. But you know, can't take that back. 
That said, that's not to say it's always been perfect, and there have been some pretty weird things in the past that are pretty regretful. There was, like, fun community. This is pretty gross. Uh, there right. was, like, community fundraising to make... There was, like, a company promising a custom porn video if you paid them an amount of money. There was, like, a joke thread that was, like, let's charter one of these porn movies, uh, and we'll have them write, like, something awful catchphrases on the background of this porn movie. What? And pitch like the grossest thing we can come up with. Um, and so they wrote up something disgusting full of like poop and stuff. And they were like, here, how much to make this? And the company was like, $500. <laughs> and, and so they, they raised $500 and paid this company. And people assumed it was a scam for a long time. And like a year later, they showed up with this porn movie. Uh, and it's really gross. And real humans did those things. And oh, well, I don't my like that. God. <laughs> Uh, and now we have OnlyFans. Right, exactly. <laughs> sure enough, you can see like something awful memes in the background of this gross porn. Uh, I'm not. I'm not very proud of that one. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, it is an achievement. I'd be pretty yeah. proud of that one. Uh, that sounds great. <laughs> Along all these lines, we read that the original slogan was "The Internet Makes You Stupid." So, what did that mean? And in what ways do you think something awful foreshadowed the wider internet? Something awful had a big culture of making fun of other websites and, you know, specifically bucking online trends that were going on at any given time. You know, it's been 20 years of that and the trends have changed, but the disdain hasn't. But yeah, all throughout, there's been like, like the internet has tons of weird people on it, right? That, that's something you know. That, yeah. That's what this podcast is. Uh, the yeah. internet has tons of weird people on it, and sometimes they're weird in like fun ways that they can share and tell stories, and you can enjoy their weird perspective. And sometimes they're weird in like dark, uncomfortable ways that uh, are worthy of condemnation. And something awful would never hesitate to to be like, "This site is terrible," and link to something. Or the front page had lots of articles, had a weekend web column that would make fun of a given website every week. That's uh, really interesting, though. That in the early days, y'all were like, "The internet." is dumb let's make fun of it but it's gotten way worse that, i feel like 2005 those were like the good old days right it has gotten way worse like way worse and it's not worse in that it's like the same problems it's worse in that like people are dead serious about these horrible things that they say and yeah that's the reality um and so yeah that was a big thing that like before any of the other sites were even talking about it there was like Hate speech was cracked down on. You know, no one really wanted to see you rant about which races you didn't care for or whatever, right? Like, that was not a high-quality post that anyone wanted to read. Um, and so we were, like, quick to ban people for that. So you'd have to pay $10 if you said shit like that. And that was a big, like, differentiator at the time that other websites were full of all sorts of weird hate speech that we didn't put up with. Nowadays, I think, like, the, the upvote-downvote thing is a big, like, wedge issue like all the the sites that use some sort of algorithm to determine who's the most popular and thus whose post it should show uh is just like really bad for the internet like it's a it's an interesting idea it was worth trying but i i think it's led to some really bad stuff there's just so much copy pasting of everything like the the top posts on reddit are almost always some copy pasted image that no one has to think about but everyone's like yeah i laughed at that a little and upvotes it well, it sounds like putting it behind a paywall perhaps kept up the quality, but it also arguably uh, inhibited its growth. So what are your feelings on that? 
Yeah, it goes without saying that uh, it would be a, a larger site if it were free to join. I do not think that the post would be nearly as high quality. Larger and shittier site. Yep, no doubt. The weird thing is that a lot of people joined around the same time and were within the same age range then and were young and teenagers and in college. And now we're in their 30s and 40s. But it's still like roughly a group that size because they joined when it was at its biggest. So now that we're 30, $10 isn't a huge amount of money. It's not like you have to pay a subscription fee. It's not like Netflix or something. So if you really want to post, you can. But a lot of people won't pay $10 on a, on a lark to go check out some website they've never been right. to, right? Right. We've talked about it a lot on this show. Like We look back at how we built the internet on advertising, and that has fucked a lot of things up. So my question about the $10 is it's not a subscription fee. So is the site sustainable? Meaning it's the same, it sounds like about the same size crew that's always been there from 10, 20 years ago. And theoretically, they've all paid their $10 once and are still happily trucking along. Like, how do you keep the lights on? Is is there is there a Patreon? Is there a light ad load that you do serve on the site? What, what, do, you, what do you do there? So for the first 20 years, there were ads also. Um, but I actually removed those when I became owner. Um, I, I cannot stand internet advertising and I just really do not want to run it on the site. Um, I may end up turning them back on for unregistered users, but no, uh, the mm-hmm. forum store is enough to keep the site running. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just people buying new accounts, which there is still a steady influx of sometimes mm-hmm. it's people wanting to start over, you know, mm-hmm. people who want to like fresh start a new username will do that. Like I said, you have to pay to buy an avatar and you can pay to mm-hmm. buy other people avatars. So that does right. some of the work. Um, mm-hmm. There's a few other paid upgrades, like if you want to read really old posts that aren't in the, the what's called the gold mine of the best posts, um, that's like a paid upgrade. Uh, you have to pay if you want search and private messages right now. There's a few other little things. You can pay to add new smileys to the board, um, and there's like hundreds of them now. We don't run like traditional internet advertising, but you can pay to advertise something personally. Like You can pay like $30 to put a banner at the bottom for a month uh, mm-hmm. that, that rotates. And so like Ads bought by people within the community are a lot more like relevant and interesting and funny mm-hmm. than like well, yeah. you know random internet advertising, and so we do still have that. Um, and all of that is enough to pay pay the website's costs like several times over. This is how we should have built the internet. This is the correct way. It is community oriented. It that, is value. We, we can argue about that at the at the end, Matt. But I I think it would still if you're having ads from within the community, you're gonna like certain communities are just gonna be overrun with conspiracy theories. I don't know. I don't know that it would fix it. Yeah. Well we can we can that's an interesting that's an interesting thing um but just to clarify all these are one-time payments meaning hey i want the smileys i paid the five dollars once and i got them it did, none of this is subscription based is that right right smileys cost thirty dollars but Whoa. yeah uh, right, i'm out they last forever uh yeah, so that's great some of those smileys were bought 15 years ago and <laughs> you can also just give money if you want do donations you can buy gift certificates and buy stuff for other people you know mm-hmm. um but yeah, the model is basically one-time payments, no monthly subscriptions or anything. Let's head into everyone's favorite topic, Nazis. All right, so <laughs> many platforms have been making moves or, you know, notoriously not making them um, to quell far-right extremism and neo-Nazis. So I know you mentioned that Something Awful has, you know, banned hate speech and stuff like that, but I was also reading that pretty recently 
well, I guess I guess it was about a year ago. I think the article was January 2020. Uh, something awful shut down its fuck you and die mm. board because it was too full of Nazis. So <laughs> I was wondering if you could tell me the different efforts that something awful has taken or not taken, because clearly there's there has still been a problem with that on something awful as well. Uh, that article is uh, completely lies. Every single line of that is not true what? and inaccurate. Really? And just, just totally wrong. Yep. That was a journalist who spoke to the owner of the site, who the, the previous owner of the site, uh, who, like I said, has had nothing to do. He shows up. He showed up every eight months to mess something up. And that was it. He had no engagement with any part of the site. And they just took that guy's word at face value, repeated what he said. At the time, there was a lot of drama. People were very angry at the fuck you and die board. But there was no point where there were anything close to Nazis or far right. It was like a silly bird. You know what? I'm done with the world because this was on Gizmodo and I I don't know what to believe anymore ever. And I'm going to crawl under my bed and not come out. Well, what was the misunderstanding uh, here as as you see it, Jeff? In truth, the misunderstanding was that Vice reporter heard about the controversy, went and talked to the owner, and the owner just spouted a bunch of bullshit that he assumed was sort of true but wasn't. Like people accused them of being Nazis at the time, and it was just like obviously not true to anyone who'd been there for any amount of time. Definitely, something awful has fought hate speech throughout its whole—not its whole history—and like what is considered hate speech has changed over time, right? The standards of 2021 are not the standards of 2005, but I think something awful has been ahead on the curve. I actually read that there's a pretty big trans community on something awful, so. uh it was interesting to me because, you know, we recently spoke with 4chan, which has a reputation for being like very white and male. Um, right. So so what do you think has led to that community and others congregating in something awful? I think it was, once again, the willingness to crack down on hate speech. Um, that's not to say it was perfect and, and things have evolved over time. But I think uh, that's a big part of it. Um, that's another export of something awful is not, like if I say let's play. Um, like the, the idea of playing a video game for the benefit of others to show to others, whether through screenshots or a video of you playing it was sort of like pioneered on something awful. Um, there was a like, let's play board where people would post screenshots of the game they were playing and give the people would give suggestions for what to do in the game. And they would often take them and incorporate them and tell little stories around them. And I think a lot of the like trans community on something awful grew around that, um, Mm -hmm. is my understanding of it. Uh, I, I can't say I know like the exact origins. I don't want. I don't want to speak for anyone. Yeah. But I, I, I think a lot. Uh, there's there's definitely a large trans community there. If let's play culture on something awful predates the let's play culture on YouTube, then that's a huge contribution to how we like talk about games today. Like that's uh, if that's the origin, that's that's massive right. and, it, and it, very fascinating that there was a trans um, community around that as it made its way to YouTube and Twitch. Right. There was a, uh, there was in particular a Japanese game uh, that was like a mystery solving game that basically encouraged audience participation because you like read what was happening and try to solve the mystery. Um, and it was actually first translated. It was a Japanese game first translated by someone who was posting the translations of something awful. Um, and that became like a huge, like meme. people were like, go here if you want to check out this full game. There was a lot of like Tumblr users who joined then. Um, but yeah, something awful definitely was the origin of Let's Play. Um, there were threads that were like, let's play this game and posting screenshots of, you know, Chrono Trigger or whatever, some ancient video game. That was a lot of work to do it with screenshots, uh, yeah, yeah. as opposed Jeez. to a video. Um, right. but, but people did that and people would do their own 
like creative writing around it. It was all very original content based still and audience participation based still. And so, yeah, that was that was absolutely invented by something awful. As new owner of the site, um, any plans for it? Like, how do you see it kind of moving ahead in the next couple of years? There's a lot of tech work that needs to be done. It's been a little neglected for a while. Um, I'm going to, you know, pay people in order to improve it. I'm a programmer myself. Plus, I, you know, have a few other people who have contributed help on that. And so I want to, like, update our technology a little bit without ruining all the things that make something awful something awful, you know. It's a website that's running software from 2002 that we've updated personally, and it's still going to always look like a website from 2002. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it'll be as convenient and as easy to use as a website in 2021, and as secure as a website in 2021. That's my biggest goal. I would like to grow. I, I think that there's a lot of people who, if they knew something awful existed and what discussions there looked like, would never go back to Facebook or Twitter or any of those. But it's sort of like doesn't have the instant name recognition to to people in their early 20s or whatever that it did, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, and so I think like if more people knew about it, more people would sign up and would enjoy it and would appreciate the difference in culture there. And so I want to reach some of those people and convince them to give it a shot and sign up. And the site sort of needs new members in order to continue, right? Like people are going to leave. And so you need someone replacing them. And we, we get some and people invite their friends and stuff. But over 20 years, you know, it's definitely a tighter group. And I, I would like some new faces around. I support you. Those are good goals. I like them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You've been with the site for a long time. What kept you coming back throughout the various roles that you had for all those years? The culture of laughing at things is, is wonderful to me. Laughter has always been how I cope with things. It feels like the world's gotten darker over time. I don't know if that's just perception or getting older, but that's what it seems like. And I I think like humor is the only way to survive that for me. And I think something awful is the right mix of like thoughtful and really funny. And at the same time, there's a huge mess of culture. Uh, There's a huge like, you know, like bond that you form with people over 15 years. And even if you don't know them personally or haven't spoken to them one on one, there's still people around that you appreciate. And a lot of them are still around. I think that's really great. Uh, you're like free to be your weird self. You don't have to be like a, a, a normal nine to five business type person or something. You can you can be an internet weirdo. And as long as you're not hateful, you're generally welcomed, you know? So like I can go read posts of an Australian woman living in some rural area, raising quails and writing poems about them. And that's just like, a, a, you know, it's Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I think like the, the variety of interesting content and interesting people keep me coming back. Thanks so much for being here, Jeffrey. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for keeping a tiny piece of the internet sane. <laughs> I'll do my best. I'll keep doing it. <laughs> right. Good luck out there. Good luck out there. Thank you. Okay, so somewhere out there is perhaps the seeds of a recipe for a better internet. Perhaps. Yeah, it doesn't sound so awful after all. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I think a fee, a ten, see, I wonder how high would the fee need to be, do we think? I think $10 actually sounds kind of perfect <laughs> because it's low, but it's still like a high enough bar that it could deter people But from signing up if they're not really like wanting to be a part of it. But what do y'all think? I thought it was a $10 subscription fee, which yeah. felt good and right for very hardcore users and to really, really keep the riffraff out. I think so. But $10 flat is 
not nothing. I like, I don't want to, you know, say that it's, it's not nothing to everyone, but like, it's nothing to most people, a lifetime membership to a cool internet club for $10 and mm-hmm. nothing more. I love that you get banned. You got to start over because that's the quality control that prevents yes. shitty people from hanging around. And, and it, it like, it could be $1. I mean, any amount of money is a barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. Like the steps it takes to put a credit card into a website is a barrier to entry. You yeah. don't have to do that with Twitter and Facebook, you know? What would happen if Twitter and Facebook suddenly instituted fees? What do we think? Like how many people would drop off or they're never going to do that, right? They make too much money from advertising. But this is why I asked Jeff a little bit about the business model, because there's been math done of like, how much is your Facebook time worth to Facebook? You know what I mean? And it's like, Facebook has what? Two billion, five billion, whatever billion users. If they lost two thirds of their users, but the one third of users that remained paid a fee, would that be? It would not be equivalent to the insane amount of advertising they sell, but right. it would s- theoretically still be a sustainable business with a lot less shitty content and people there. So, like, there is an argument to be to build platforms the way something awful is built and it is it is not it won't make you rich but it will make the internet better you know what i mean and mm-hmm. and i think we desperately need that we, we desperately <laughs> need less rich tech billionaires and more better forums on the internet you know i think matthew once again you are being an eternal optimist and i respect it but my thought is the bigger issue is once something reaches a certain size and scale How do you monitor for those shitty ass posts to kick the person off for them to repay their money? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the bigger issue. Yeah. I I agree. I think you are 100% correct. I guess the, the point there is like when there is a threshold, a barrier to entry, it will never reach a scale. The right. problem with Facebook is it is that it is at an incomprehensible scale, and there's no amount of AI or human contractors or Honestly, what people we need on to the earth who can moderate it. Shut down the internet it. and start, start over. over. <laughs> but but I guess if we were to do that and start again, is this a path forward? Is this model a path forward? Yeah, a lot of people are also really into this blockchain thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm more interested in the cock chain, as we all know. But mm. <laughs> sounds like Burning Man. Yeah, uh, don't remind me. I don't know what's happening this year uh, again. Oh man, I don't want to talk about it. All right, well, you heard it here. If you think the internet should be shut down and started over on the cock chain, tweet me on Gold L L I G O L T. You don't need to tweet me about the cock chain, but you could talk about the internet. Um, <laughs> she definitely wants to be tweeted about the cock chain. <laughs> at June Bugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R. You can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail. So exciting. Please do. That- Yes, please. We love it. That phone number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And you can join us on our Discord server. You listened today. uh, You heard that we had a question come from the Discord server from a listener. So 
discord.gg slash 2G1P. You can only get that here. Please come there and it's listeners of the show, sometimes guests, definitely us, just chatting, suggesting show topics. It's fun. So one more time, discord.gg slash 2G1P. Ali, if they would like to contribute on our Patreon, what do they do? Please go to patreon.com slash 2G1P. If everyone who is listening uh, donated a dollar, That'd be so fucking awesome. And listen, that's so much less than something awful. Although, if you donate at the $10 or more level, which is the same as something awful, we will shout you out on air. All right, folks. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. Then filmed before a live studio audience. I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Please text or call.